Welcome to the enchanting world of nursery rhymes, where childhood memories and timeless tales intertwine. Join us on the A Tisket Tasket podcast as we embark on a delightful journey through the rich history and captivating origins of beloved nursery rhymes. Tune in for an exploration that will delight nursery rhyme enthusiasts and folklore aficionados alike. And now your host, Gina. Hello and welcome to a Tisket Tasket podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today we are going to talk about the nursery rhyme, Little Rubin Redbreast. Before we get started today, just a few things to go over. Hey, I need your help. I'm speaking at the American Folklore Society Conference in November in Portland, Oregon, and I need help getting out there. And you can help. Please check out my website, link in the description, to see how you, yes you, can help me not only get out there, but also keep this podcast going. Any help is greatly appreciative, and really, this really does help me keep this project going. Now, today, let's talk about Little Robin Redbreast. Little Robin Redbreast has a Rald folk song index number of 20,621. It first appeared in Tommy Thumb's Pretty Song Book, first published in 1744 in London, and I talk about this book all of the time. The original lyrics are much naughtier than more modern versions. As it was first published, the lyrics were Little Robin Redbreast sitting on a pole, middle noddle went his head, and poop went his hole. I should note that in 1744, pooping actually meant farting in this instance. And fart humor is definitely not a modern concept. And when I was doing research about this rhyme, I sort of fell down the rabbit hole of, well, like medieval fart humor. There are references of medieval manuscripts that not only reference flatulence, but also have detailed drawings of people in various flatulent poses. I will try to add a few of these images to my blog post referencing this episode, and again, the link is in the description if you'd like to see more. I love the ridiculous drawings that you find in medieval manuscripts, and they're always really ridiculous. So no, fart humor is definitely not a modern concept, and you see it in nursery rhymes. But getting back to the nursery rhyme, the lyrics definitely evolved, and by the late 18th century, the last line changed to, and wag went his tail. Other variations spawned from there, continuing well into the 19th century. A more modern version of this nursery rhyme is as follows, and this appeared in Obie and Obie's The Oxford English Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes. Little Robin Redbreast sat upon a rail, Nibble Nobble went his head, Whittle Waggle went his tail, Little Robin Redbreast came to visit me, this is what he whistled, thank you for my tea. With any iteration of the rhyme, there are hand gestures involved, which I just think are quite adorable. Of course, they have changed over time, or each storyteller has his or her own version. But in general, the teller would use his or her dominant hand and extend the thumb and the pinky out in the vague shape of a bird, and wiggle his or her thumb back and forth with the line, nibble nobble went his head, to obviously indicate the head, and then do the same with the pinky at the line, Whittle Waggle Went His Tail. So it kind of looks like a bird. 
the Obies don't have anything uh, else to kind of note about the history of this nursery rhyme. They say that the Nadir version not only appeared in Tommy Thumb's Pretty Son book, which is around 1744, but also Death and Burial of Cock Robin in 1770. And I haven't had a chance to go over that nursery rhyme yet, but it is coming. And also appeared in Nancy Cook's Pretty Song book in 1780. So again, these, this, the versions kind of change over time, but Obi and Obi have nothing really significant to say about the history. Now, before I get into the audio portion of this episode, I do want to explain something that I just learned about nursery rhymes or any artistic work in general. Apparently, there is a term called boulderization or expurgation, which is the censorship of artistic work to remove any offensive word, phrase, hand gesture, writing, etc. So when I talked about removing the fart joke from the nursery rhyme, it was a form of boulderization. I'll have to remember the term for this podcast as it seems to happen quite a lot, and uh, especially in these older 18th century nursery rhymes. This definitely was the case in earlier episodes, and I even lamented about this in my last episode when I talked about trying to find more body World War I trend socks. I'm just going to go on a huge rant here, but I have strong opinions about this. History should not be censored to not offend sensibilities. Humanity isn't neat or polite, and our history should reflect that. And I think it's interesting to capture this culture no matter who it might offend. And I say that about a lot of things. You know, history is not pretty, but I don't think keeping uh, some kind of naughty lines in a nursery rhyme is going to cause our history to, to crumble or to corrupt the youth of today. But let's go ahead and move on to the audio portion of today's podcast. Now, in the audio version, I have two portions to play for you today. The first one is a 1945 Frank Luther record. I've played records from this artist before, so his voice should sound familiar to those repeat listeners. It's very straightforward, and it's a very common iteration of nursery rhymes from the 1940s. And I'd like to point out again the reason why I love the 1940 record iterations of these nursery rhymes is that they add kind of a soundscape in the background. And this is another classic example of hearing birds chirp in noises that kind of add a different flavor to the nursery rhyme. So let's go ahead and listen to this 1945 Frank Luther record version of Little Robin Redbreast. very quiet. There's a robin redbreast up in that tree. Look, right out the window. Little robin redbreast sat upon a tree. Up went pussycat and down flew he. Down came pussycat, away robin ran. Says robin redbreast, catch me if you can. Kitty, 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 you come in the house here, kitty. You mustn't chase those pretty birds. Man, I just love those old Frank Luther records. And if I had a record player and space, I would totally collect those records from the 40s and 50s because they're just absolutely wonderful. The next version I'm going to play, I don't have any information about. I don't know when it was um, put out. It's by Mercury Records. It's a black vinyl and the label is yellow and it has a little picture of a rooster on it. I'm going to guess it was from between 1940 and 1960, which is, seems to be pretty common for these nursery rhyme records I've discussed. And on the record includes Little Robin Redbreast, Cock-a-doodle-doo, Polly Put the Kettle On. And it's a male voice, and you hear the classic instruments of these nursery rhymes with the flutes, and I think there's like an oboe or a clarinet. 
And it is a little bit longer version, or I think it might be a different nursery rhyme, but it has the same start of the lyrics. So I'm going to go ahead and play, play it for you now. And if you or someone you know are interested in the history of music or musicology and can trace back the history of these records, please contact me off podcast because I'm really curious to know where these came from. But let's go ahead and listen to this version of Little Robin Redbreast. Robin Redbreast sat upon a tree. Up went Pussycat and down went he. Down came Pussycat, away Robin ran. Says little Robin Redbreast, catch me if you can. Little Robin Redbreast jumped up on a wall. Pussycat jumped after him and almost got a fall. Little Robin chirped and sang, and what did Pussy say? Pussycat said, meow, and Robin flew away. Adorable, right? So there we have it, two distinct versions, probably between the 1940s and 1960s, of record versions of Little Robin Redbreast. But now let's go ahead and talk about the nursery rhyme itself. When we think about the breakdown of the poem, the lyrics itself, I don't really have that much to add. It's a very simple poem. In the more modern version, Little Robin Redbreast sat upon a rail. We have a small red bird and we have how its head moves, the nibble nobble, and how its tail moves. It's just a cute little nursery rhyme for babies or toddlers teaching them a bird that they probably see in their backyard and how they move. And now, I guess something else to note about this is when I was doing this, I was assuming, and you know what they say about assuming, it makes an ass out of you and me, but in in any case, I live in the United States. I live in the eastern United States, and an incredibly common bird I see in my yard every single day is the American robin. And so in my head, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is an American robin that they're talking about. It's a really common bird. I see it. Now, for those of you who don't live in the continental United States, where these birds are from, a American robin, it has uh, a black head and a black back, but its entire stomach area, the, the breast area, is completely red. And they're, you know, kind of a medium-sized bird, and they're very common, and actually they kind of herald spring when we see them here in the United States. And... You know, I just thought, hey, this is a really cute nursery rhyme. And if I'm saying it to my niece or my goddaughter, they would totally get what I'm saying. They would totally, in their mind, picture an American robin that they can see out their front window at any time. However, this was published in 1744 in Europe. And so it occurred to me afterwards that I should probably look up what the heck a European robin looks like. And to my surprise, they look completely different than their American cousins. So to reiterate, the American robin is um, local to all over the continental United States, sometimes Alaska, so they're very common where I'm from. But the European robin looks completely different. 
They're much smaller for one. They're more seed eaters where the American robins will eat bugs and um, worms. So they're more omnivorous. But the European robin are much smaller and they're really cute. And their face and neck are red moreover than their entire belly. So they look very different than the American cousin. But what I think is really cool about this nursery rhymes is that it kind of moved from the from Europe to America very easily because we have ourselves our own robin. And Wikipedia tells me that the European robin is uh, local to Great Britain and Ireland. And so that really kind of aligned with what we've learned about this nursery rhyme already, that it was probably written sometime in the early 1700s in Great Britain, in England, and it talked about a native bird that nurses or parents could see out their window and they could teach their children about. But again, it's really interesting that, you know, two different countries, two different birds, but kind of same meaning. And I, I think that's really cool in a kind of weird way. I was researching this and I was like, how the heck am I going to make it an entire podcast episode out of this? Because it seems really straightforward. While we don't know who wrote it, we do know it was written in 1744 in England. So while I break out my a Dictionary of Superstitions, which is also edited by an OB, but it's uh, edited by OB in Tatum, and I flipped to... I flipped to what do robins mean in superstition? And let me tell you what, there's a whole bunch. Robins apparently equal death. So, so to see a robin equals death. And I'm going to go ahead and read the entry here. It says, robin equals death. 1829 bracket North Country words. Robin, about he worked near Newcastle, he is looked upon as a bird of bad omen. I am also told that among the lower classes in Northumberland, in Scotland, it is considered the harbinger of death. So that's from 1829. 1850. Before the death of a person, this is also from Northern England, before the death of a person, a robin is believed in many instances to tap thrice at the window of the room in which he or she may be. In 1868, it says that in the north of Devon, it is believed that when a robin perches on top of a cottage and utters its plaintive wheat, the baby in the cottage will die. So here we have that in the early 1800s to mid-1800s, and it actually even keeps giving us entries up until 1986, which I think is when around this book was published, that robins are an omen of death. But also, there are entries of robins protecting the dead. In 1606 in Shakespeare, says in Cymbeline, the radic robin would with charitable bill bring thee all this, yeah, inferred Moses besides. So when flowers are none to winter ground the course. So apparently robins protected the dead. Call for the robin redbreast and the wren since war shady groves they cover and with leaves and flowers you cover the friendless bodies of unburied men. We also have robin and nest is harming in 1709 in the British Apollo. The robin redbreast is a malicious and envious a bird as any that flies. I desire to know why many people should not have a good esteem of this bird as to count it a crime to do it any injury. But we have robin with other birds, like a robin with a wren or a robin with a swallow mean different things. So imagine my surprise when I'm all happy-go-lucky looking at this nursery rhyme 
for little kids. I'm like, oh, this is really cute. It's a super cute song about a bird that people see all the time. And it has hand gestures and there can't possibly be anything evil or nefarious about it. Well, wrong. According to the Dictionary of Superstitions and a few of these entries, robins are arbingers of death. Who would have thought? But that's it for me today on this 32nd episode of Tisket Tasket Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Please check out my website for my list of references and for more information about how you, yes, you can help me get out to Portland in November. Thank you all so much for listening. I, again, really enjoy doing these podcasts. And stay tuned next week where we will continue to talk about the weirdness of nursery rhymes. Thank you for listening to a Tisket Tasket podcast. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. If you found value in today's content, please share with others and consider leaving a review. Also, follow Gina on all social media platforms, and we'll see you next time.